when you do something, first you have to like it, mm. to love it. That's right? true. After you take the best raw materials, the best butter, the best flour, whatever, you have to take care of your customer. Mm. To find a job is very easy, but to stay is very hard. Eric DJ Corneal, Michelin star chef, the youngest chef who worked at the Mandarin Oriental Hotel in Thailand, successful entrepreneur, long-term expat, and the owner of the first French bakery in Thailand. How do you get a Michelin star? Are all chefs angry people? Without further ado, let's hear the answers from Eric DJ Cornell, our guest for this episode. Thank you for joining us today. So let us start with the very first question is, how did you start the journey of becoming a chef? Um, I start in France, right? I, was, I did the apprenticeship of a pastry chef mm -hmm. and apprenticeship of a gastronomic chef. Okay. In 1986, yeah. And how old were you back then? I was 15. 15? Yeah. And what was the first apprenticeship that you started? Uh, first apprenticeship was in uh, Sablé sur Sarthe, mm -hmm. uh, La Maison du Sablé. We were specialized on uh, Sablé cookie, okay. well known in France. I see. And then what is the next step after that? How long, how long was that first apprenticeship, first uh, of all? In fact, the apprenticeship it was divided in two periods. Okay. One year in Sablé and one year in Le Mans, mm -hmm. in uh, Pasquier, Pasquier Pastry. Uh, Mr. Pasquier was a former chef from uh, Le Nôtre, mm -hmm. a famous pastry chef in Paris. I see. I, was it hard to get into like an apprenticeship? Especially when you were 15, like how do you even get into that? Uh, to find a job is very easy, but to stay is very hard. Mm. You start at 4 o'clock in the morning and finish at uh, 6 o'clock evening. Okay. And uh, everything is uh, timing. You have to wake up on time to do the patachou for the eclair, mm -hmm. do the pastry cream, do the croissant. And when it's finished, you have to go to deliver all your pastry in a small bakery and cafe in the town. Oh, and you have to do all of that? Yes. And after you maybe have the breakfast. Oh, wow. And this is every single day that you have to do this? Uh, the day you work, yeah. Six days a week. I see. And how long was this training apprenticeship? From 15 to what age? To 17, yeah. Two years. I see. And what was the next step after this? So now you have some knowledge of how to work in a kitchen, what to do. So what is the next step after that? Uh, you have to get experience. Okay. So uh, pastry chef and gastronomy chef is uh, the basic. Mm -hmm. But uh, every place you work has different technique. I see. So after that, I work in uh, uh, Ricordo, mm -hmm. okay, who was a two-star machine in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And uh, I moved to a Chateau Hotel in Saumur. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, I've been in uh, the Alps in France. Oh, wow. And I moved again to another hotel, Grand Hotel Lyon d'Or, mm -hmm. in Romorantin, two-star Michelin. Mm -hmm. And I went to the army where I was the chef of the, the French Navy oh, in wow. Paris, La Place de la Concorde. Oh, wow. So you've been in this journey since you were 15, let's say. That's right. We're yeah. just in a different 
kitchen a different style. That's right. So what would you say would be the hardest style that you had to learn? You, you have no other style. It's different. Mm. Uh, when some people are specialized in fish or meat mm -hmm. or uh, sweet and sour, everybody has different style. I see. I see. But you said that you train as a pastry and a gastronomy chef. What's the difference? Is there any difference in the training? Oh, it's a lot of difference. A pastry chef is a recipe mm -hmm. where you follow. Mm -hmm. Okay. You have uh, one kilo of flour, uh, 500 gallon butter, uh, salt, sugar, everything scale. I see. But in a kitchen, nothing is scale. Ah. It's by taste. Oh, well, so it's more complicated. It's different. It's no more complicated. Uh, in pastry, it's more like a, a chemist, the right chemist, but uh, an art. In a kitchen, is uh, no chemistry, but it's taste and art. Meaning when you do a sauce, you have to reduce to the proper point. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to choose the, the good raw materials, good beef, good fish, mm -hmm. and you, you achieve something. I see. And you mentioned before this that you practiced and worked in many kitchens for like Michelin star chef as well. Can you tell us your experience working with a Michelin star chef at that time? Especially you were very young. Like, were the expectations? How do they even work in that kitchen? Michelin star kitchen and normal kitchen difference is uh, everything synchronized. Ah. We try to go to the perfection. So in a kitchen, you have no noise at all. Only the, the, the master chef, who we call the aboyeur, mm -hmm. who announce the menu for the customer. Mm -hmm. And you have to remember and follow everything. Oh, wow. And it's like a, an orchestra, a symphony. Everybody knows his job mm -hmm. and is done to the almost perfection. But what if you're a new person going in into this synchronized orchestra? What what do you do? Like you don't really know or you're not really, let's say your first day of a job. Sometimes you don't really know what to do. What happens in that case? But in a kitchen, you have a, a brigade, we call it. It's a bit like an army, right? Mm -hmm. You have the the caporal with under and the surgeon oh. and captain. So at the beginning, you start at the bottom and you follow. I see. And you, you, you chant your, by experience, you become higher and chef the party and the sous chef and chef the, the cuisine. I see. So you slowly, you know, go up by step. Correct. I see, I see. So how did you come to Thailand? How did the journey in Thailand start from France? Um, I work about uh, 10 different places in Thailand, in France, yeah? Yeah. And uh, I wanted to open my own restaurant. In France. In France, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was 24 at that time. And I say, oh, I would like to make one year experience abroad. Mm -hmm. And not far from my home was a Jean Badet restaurant, who was named Best Chef of France 1986. Mm -hmm. Was looking for a chef to be sent in Thailand at I the see. Mandarin Oriental. So he would train the chef or... or how, how is his role in this? He was a chef um, consultant for Oriental. Ah, I see. Uh, all the big five-star hotels in the world, they use this technique to promote their restaurant. Ah. They use a well-known chef, put the menu okay, uh, menu done by Jean Bardet. I see. But Jean Bardet doesn't reside in this hotel, right? Yeah. They send 
me like like me right as a chef resident I so see. i work for jean bardet represent his kitchen in mandarin oriental i see so what was it like like how did you get selected um it took me as a training for three months you mm -hmm. have many candidates and uh, he select me so you know in kitchen when you do something it's, it's an hard like when I was a chef in a restaurant in Le Mans, mm -hmm. I go in the market in the morning and uh, I did not know what menu I do. And I look, oh, this look good, this vegetable look good, mm -hmm. oh, this fish is perfect. And before entering the kitchen, you do already the menu in your head. Mm -hmm. So Jean-Baptiste did the same thing. He said, okay, do whatever you want. I want to see. Oh, this is, was his request for you That's to right. test? Oh, what was the dish that you make? Uh, I did some like a uh, salmon mousse uh, oh. with uh, uh, another fish. I don't I don't remember. It's 40 years ago. <laughs> yes. But a roll with paprika, right? A red oh. and yellow, on a chlorophyll sauce. That makes and me hungry. <laughs> it sounds so good. And he loved the dish. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's one one of many, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So during that three months when he trained, you were like training with him what was the process like what did he tell fact, you not really a training he, he liked to check if i was i can fit with his kitchen or not i see i see but you already have all the experience right, and all mm. so it was perfect so when you came to thailand when you started your job was there a culture shock because i'm pretty sure that the kitchen in thailand and the kitchen in france is very different and i'm sure that you also did not speak thai at that time i did not yeah and I did not speak English as well. Oh, wow. And you know when, in 1986, you imagine Thailand is a jungle and elephant everywhere, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, so I arrived here and uh, I didn't know anybody. Mm -hmm. They give me a brigade of 10 chefs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have to order them, but I could not speak Thai and they, their English was not so good as well. Yeah. So, after two or three months was alright, but the, the free first month was very tough. Can you like give us a glimpse of what happened during that first three months? Um, <laughs> it's like you put somebody in a cage with lion, right? Oh God. Okay. So how uh, did you communicate though? Okay, they, they, they know the menu, mm -hmm. and I knew as well, right? When you just say, say the name of the the item and they understand. Mm -hmm. So when they do something wrong in cooking, whatever, they say, okay, reject, and you do again. Okay. That's all. Okay. But you cannot be as tough as you are in, in France, right? Mm. You have to be more compromised. Yeah, for sure. What was the main difference, you would say, between the Thai kitchen and the French kitchen? It was not the Thai kitchen. It was a French kitchen, doing by Thai. Ah. So, so the, the base was the same, mm -hmm. okay? The, the basic of kitchen was exactly the same, but the people were different. Mm -hmm. So my job is where to educate them to work like French people. I see. And how did that go? Yeah, so far, good, yeah? It people was good. good Thai chef, yeah. So this is just a question that I'm curious, and I'm sure many of our viewers are curious because, you know, when you talk about chef, they say that chefs are, they have crazy mood swings, they're moody, they're very, you know, they're loners, or they have like, you know, their mood change all the time, and they're quite angry. Is this true? 
40 years ago, when I was in France, it was true. That's right, yeah? Oh, wow. Because the chef, the three-star Michelin, two-star Michelin, they are under pressure, pressure mm -hmm. constantly. Mm. They are to produce the best, and uh, they have some guy, like Michelin guide, or Goemio guy, mm -hmm. who press them. If a customer or an inspector tests a dish and it's not proper, they may lose a star, a Michelin star. For them, it means that they lose their fame. Mm -hmm. And many chefs, they kill themselves just for that. Really? Yes. Because you mentioned earlier when we talked before that, that people like, okay, let's say chef in, in France, they work not for money, but for fame, right? It's true, it's true. We are very underpaid, but mm -hmm. we accept it. Mm. We, we, we love our job. Mm -hmm. we, you don't count hours. You, know, you work for 12 hours, no problem. But when everybody's artist, you know, imagine the people who uh, do a painting, Mm -hmm. So so it's the same result. When you do a plate, right, it's individual. You even put the garden pea one by one, right, around yeah. the plate like that. The plate sometimes take 10 minutes to finish. Yeah, because they're very particular of what they want. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Okay, now moving back to your story in Thailand here. So now that you work in the Mandarin Oriental, and you were 24 at that time, how long did you work for the Mandarin Oriental? Uh, I worked there almost two years. Mm -hmm. Okay, When the contract of my boss, Jean Bade, came yeah. to the hand, I had to leave as well. I see. And then where did you go after that? I went to... My plan was to be yeah, in, you mentioned in Japan, Japan. Oh, Japan. And uh, so I was well-known in Thailand. I did many TVs mm. and uh, as well in New York where I, I went in Manhattan I got um, a newspaper who I wear 100,000 uh, publication yeah yeah wow so I was well known here and uh, I knew Dizitani was part of Niseko uh, booking uh, Japan yes so I sent them my resume in order that they pass it to Japan oh and uh, they called me and uh, said would you like to work for us I say yes, why not? And you worked at the Dusitani for how long? Four years. And there were you like a pastry chef or were no, you the gastro? I was an executive sous chef. Oh, wow. And how was the experience there? Was it different from the Mandarin Oriental? Very different because uh, Mandarin Oriental, I take care of the Normandie restaurant, mm -hmm. which I was a chef of one restaurant. Mm -hmm. But Dusitani, I was a chef with many other. 10 outlets. Oh, okay. So Vietnamese restaurant, Chinese restaurant, French restaurant, coffee shop, catering, mm -hmm. wedding. Wow, wow. But now, now, speaking of the present, you own a very successful business, uh, a croissant, let's say a bakery, a French bakery business. How did becoming a chef in a five-star hotel in Thailand, how did you transition to have your own business that has been running for over 30 years? The hotel business uh, didn't want to stay mm. for whatever reason. I, I thought it was no future. Mm -hmm. Okay, You go up to the executive chef and maybe uh, food and beverage or GM, but it takes years, years. Yeah. And you have to move around. I wanted to stay in Thailand and do something uh, less headache. So no more Japan. No <laughs> that, more Japan. Yeah. No more Japan. Yeah. 
And uh, so I, I got some friend, right, who opened a restaurant. But to open a restaurant, you need two person, one maitre d' and one chef. And I didn't, want to, I didn't want to go with another person. I see. So I say I will open a, a pastry shop. But from like a gastronomy chef to a opening a pastry shop, is that a lot of difference? Because you've been focusing on like food for a very long time, and then now you have to open a business that focuses just on bakery. Not, not really true. Because in the Star Michelin where I worked, I got some position of a pastry chef. Ah, I see. Okay, in the uh, Star Michelin restaurant, there were also hotels, so you have to prepare the the cross on the morning as well. Mm -hmm. So I never keep let the trend of pastry. I see, I see. So, so why you started out with croissants, right? For your, for your business folies. So why croissant at that time? What did you see? Why did you think Thai people would be into croissant? Um, I have to start somewhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and at that time, when I start folie, I was mm -hmm. still working at Dizitani. Ah, I see. On night time, I teach uh, two person, mm -hmm. two Thai chef, man, how to do croissant. And on morning time, I go to work in Dizitani. Uh, this had happened for four months. And uh, when we, we start, the minimum to do is uh, 50 croissants. Mm. So what we did, we did not know we cannot eat 50 croissants every day. Yeah, that's true. And we, a lot of butter in a croissant. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so we put one table on the footpath in front of the, the production. And uh, after one hour, finish. Oh. So say, let's try tomorrow two Again. time. Yeah. And start like that. And word by mouth, people start to know us. And uh, after four months, we have a portfolio of customer. Mm. And... Uh, it went. I see. Okay, what's your secret would be a better question to, to frame the sentence. Um, what was your secret on how to keep your business going from, you know, for 33 years, a, a pastry, a bakery business, it's not easy to keep it running and be well known. What was your secret, especially for a foreigner, I would say, how, what was your secret behind this? When you do something, you have, first you have to like it. Mm to love it. That's right? true. After you take the best raw materials, the best butter, the best flour, whatever, and you have to take care of your customer. Mm. If you mix this recipe, it works. I see. Mm. I see. But we don't see many like Foley's right in the beginning. Did it start out in like a, a small store or did you have your own factory then or, or how? How was it? How did it slowly develop into what it is today? Can you give us a little background to that? We we were uh, we start at Soyamon, mm -hmm. and we have a small uh, shop, mm -hmm. and uh, so we increase the volume of customer. I remember at that time we were uh, thirty in this small shop, thirty people working, and uh, twenty four hours. Twenty four hours. That's right. Yeah, free wow. shift. Yeah. And we start to work for airlines. I see. Which airlines? Uh, many airlines. It was airline caterers, mm. like Thai Airways, you know, who work for many airlines. And we send thousands and thousands uh, croissants mm. per month. Right? Maybe 200,000 croissants per month. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And start to grow up like that very mm -hmm. quick. So we got a new another shop 
closed, was too small. Mm. So we moved to a new factory in uh, Suksawat, 1,000 square meter. At the beginning, they proposed me 2,000 square meter. Mm. I said, no, no, it's too big. Mm -hmm. But uh, 1,000 square meter after one year was already too small. <laughs> you did well. And uh, we start uh, to have a GMP, HSCP, ISO, mm. which help us to uh, strengthen the business. Yeah. And we Suksabat, we stayed 10 years, and we moved to a new factory again mm -hmm. in Samut Sakon, mm -hmm. 5,000 square meter. Wow, so that 1,000 is really too small now, it's 5,000. And is it okay now for you, 5,000? Uh, it's, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay? It's okay. So you, the way you explain how your business works and how it runs and how you got customer, it sounds so easy, I would say, but many of our viewers actually are, are expats and people who are maybe looking to have business or have business in Thailand. Would you say back then, was easier to open a business and be more successful than to open a business now? Um, I won't say it was easier because when I opened, uh, I decided to open a pastry shop because there was nobody there at that time. Mm -hmm. And Thai people only eat rice and uh, Thai food. Yeah. The year before I opened was McDonald's open. Oh, really? In Blanchett, yeah. I think it was uh, 1990 or 89, something like that. Mm -hmm. So I say, oh, people will start to change their mind, how to, their habit, how to eat. Say, why not to start a pastry shop? Man, it works. It was new, so. Yeah. So the people change with the time, right? Mm -hmm. You have more steakhouse, Japanese restaurant. Yeah. And now you have a lot of pastry shop mm. and competition. But when you talk about opening a business in Thailand, there's always going to be people think, oh, you have to bribe to make it work. There's always going to be corruption. Did you face any of that kind of stuff back then? Yes, but I try to not do it mm. because at the end it doesn't work. I got some ethic. You do the thing right from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, they have no point where you have to pay a bribe. Yeah, that's true. Because I feel like many people want to have a business here, but they don't really know where to start, even though they have a great idea, but they don't really know what to do, how to start. Should they bribe someone, where to go, what to look for? Like at that time, was that a problem for you? In, in fact, the bribe was more to accelerate the things. I see. Even now, if you do the right thing, you don't have to bribe people. Mm. But if you don't know, Mm -hmm. You have to hire some people who know. That's all. Yeah, I see. What about Foley's today? Let's say, where can we find Foley's if we want to have like a real French croissant? You can find it at Nongnichi. I was first shop since 1992, yeah. Oh, wow. And what other products do you have apart from croissant? You develop, right? So we yes. started from croissant. We started from croissant. Yeah. And after we did Danish. Mm -hmm. After uh, we did puff pastries. Mm -hmm. So all the game. The game. After we start bread. Oh, baguette. okay. Okay. And uh, we start again cake pastry mm -hmm. and tart pastry. Mm -hmm. We did also some, uh, we create entremet. So it's big birthday cake, right? And oh. French style. I see. And uh, we finished by catering. 
Ah. So I used to cater uh, the embassies. I see. Portuguese embassy, French embassies, Brazil embassy. So I'm just curious, like you mentioned your customers, they're actually all high profile people or high profile company. How did you come by these connections? Was it like by personal, you know them personally or how did you happen to meet these people? Mostly word by mouth. Oh, yeah. really? So you actually didn't know these person, these people personally or there is a personal connection to them? It's just... At the beginning, no, yeah. Ah, I see. Mouth. They test and say, oh, where did you buy? It's, oh, fully, okay. I see. So just, this is for my own curiosity. What does Foley's mean? Why Foley? Um, Foley's uh, mean to be crazy. Oh. Okay. And it uh, come out from uh, Folie Berger in oh. Paris. It was a famous uh, cabaret show, mm. like uh, Moulin Rouge. Okay. And um, at that time, I thought it was crazy to start a pastry business uh, in Thailand. Yes. And it was like you created Foley's just after McDonald's came into Thailand, right? Correct. Yeah. That is pretty, pretty awesome and mind blowing at the, to, to me now because now McDonald's everywhere and there's Japanese food, Mexican food. And this was one of the first in Thailand, I would say, right? Uh, yeah, yes, we were the first one. Yeah. yeah. So so now do you do more retail or it's more like wholesale now that you're focusing on? Uh, we do on? more wholesale, yeah. I see. We export uh, to Australia ah, okay. and Singapore. I see. So another question about your business here. Um, during each time, you know, there is like, because, you know, the government changed, there's new rules all the time. How do you cope with that? How do you cope with the laws and rules changing all the time and how do you overcome those problems you adapt you adapt to the situation so when you know what's happened like i remember always you have the the crisis when the the dollar from one day was yeah. 28 and they climbed to 55 baht. yeah so we could not buy butter anymore it was mm. too expensive and the airlines say we can't accept your your price say can you do something else say yes so i propose uh, a mixed croissant with margarine and butter and the test was acceptable for the airline mm. the price was okay mm -hmm. so we managed to carry on as that i see what about during the pandemic during covid it's another big hit i'm sure like with export that you mentioned now that you're exporting to other countries and what about your raw materials ordering how did you overcome that uh, i think like other company in thailand right we adapt so we reduce the the staff mm. we reduce the purchase we open uh, just on nine time for mm -hmm. the production mm -hmm. to uh, because nighttime the cost of uh, production is uh, cheaper mm. and we pass the the pandemic i see but what would you say was it rough during that time mm. yes and not mm. uh, i won't say it was rough it was different mm. so you have to reduce your your team and they were working alternance so one one month one team come, half of the team, another month, the other part. I see. So, you know, you I would say you're a very, you're the pioneer of French 
bakery in Thailand and also a very successful expat who's been living in Thailand for a very long time. I would say like 30 or, or more more than 30 uh, 90, years. 86, so I think 37 years. Something yeah. Like that. So you would know the in and outs of Thailand and how to live in Thailand. Can you give us a little bit of your personal experience of living in Thailand through all this time and see how things develop in your perspective as an expat? Um, I, I love, I'm maybe um, old-fashioned, but I love the the other time, the old time, in the period of uh, the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Was The life was easy, not so stressful like now, right? Mm-hmm. The people were gentle. Uh, the business was not uh, high running like now. I see. Okay. The rules were easier. I see. You know, Thailand means freedom, right? Yes. So in business, it was with freedom too. I see. And as you living in Thailand, this is not related to business, just like personal experience of just living in Thailand alone. What, what would you think is the biggest pro like the biggest, the good thing about it and the bad thing about it as an expat? You know, when I go to work on morning time, I say I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. It's sunny. You have a nature around me because mm-hmm. it's Samut And uh, people are still gentle, right? Mm-hmm. If you wake up in morning in France, it's chilly. It's gray, it's rainy, yeah. and the people, uh, they always argue for nothing. Mm. This is a big difference. I see. The living style, right? Mm-hmm. Living style, yeah. I see. So that's your biggest yes. favorite point. But what about the downside of living in Thailand, you would say? I, I would say it's uh, to, to make a business here, it's stuff. Mm. Stuff is very difficult to... Uh, to acquire, mm-hmm. and even more now in a, in province, uh, we run out of stuff. We are lucky because our team, right, stay with us, average from 15 to 20 years, right? Oh wow! Yeah. But when you grow up, right, you need more stuff. Mm. But uh, what we did and cop, we implement a ERP system. Mm-hmm. So. It's like everything, like automated in a factory, yeah. in a term of uh, ordering and uh, manufacturing. So adapt is the, your right. key word here. You have to adapt, yeah. I see. So our last question here, as I mentioned earlier, how successful you are, how long you've been living here, and you navigated your business and yourself to be successful in Thailand. What would be your advice for someone who's looking to come live here long-term or to start a business in Thailand? You have to know the product you do properly. Mm. And you have to forecast, very important. You forecast uh, the best plan, the worst plan, and the middle to have no surprise. I see. If you don't prepare yourself, you have a lot of chance to fail. I see. So you would say prepare yourself, know your product, and don't <laughs> have surprises, would say would you say? That's right. Yeah. You, you, you just uh, make a survey before you start, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what is uh, the pro and con. Okay. And when you know this in advance, you, you prepare yourself. It's like to do 
a recipe of, of bread or croissant, mm -hmm. if you miss one ingredient, it fell. Yeah, that's very true and very wise words indeed. Thank you so much for joining us today and coming in and sharing your experience and insights with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.